1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32 says this, Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Be careful of people who tell you that you can't do something that they've never done. Be careful of people who tell you it won't work for you when it never worked for them. How can you tell me what's possible? How can you tell me what's not going to happen when you You couldn't make it happen? Don't tell me my business is going to fail just because you couldn't get yours up off the ground. Bars. Verse 36, your servant has killed both lion and bear. Biblical curse word. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied armies of the living God. I wish we had more venom towards situations that dare say our God is not our God. Terminal? Do you not know who my God is? Unreconcilable? Do you not know who my God is? Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and good luck. I mean, and the Lord be with you. Second Samuel chapter 11 verse 1 says this, it happened in the spring of the year at the time, can I preach to you, when Christians go out to battle, I was going to say, you ever, you ever ran across some of the people, I ain't calling them weird, but they call everybody king and queen. What up, king? What up, queen? Come on, you know somebody like that. You, you sitting next to somebody like that. That joint's weird, bruh. But, I, you know, you walk in a barbershop or whatever, somebody like, what up, king? I'm like, I am a king. Yeah. Put some speck on my name. When it says at the times when kings go out to war, look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. He... At the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed, walked on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof, he saw a snack. <laughs> this just going to come up over and over. He saw a woman bathing, and this woman was very beautiful. King of glory, have your way. Speak. Make 17 minutes feel like three hours. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Somebody say commissioning, commissioning, commissioning. One of the things that I love about Scripture is it walks us through the life of great men and great women. But it doesn't just walk us through the life of great men and great women of God. It also walks through the life of average men and average women. It doesn't just walk through the life of average men and average women. It also walks through the life of pathetic men and pathetic women. One of the things I love about scripture is scripture keeps it real. It doesn't just tell stories of these people who never doubted, never sinned, 
never turn their back on God. It, it tells the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And as you watch even great men and great women of God in scripture, you see the trajectory of their lives when in certain seasons they were full of faith and in other seasons they were full of doubt. You see seasons where they were running away from God like a Jonah. God was running after him saying, hey, your destiny will catch up with you. Even if I got to drown your tail for you to figure out that you are called by God, I'm going to do what I got to do to get your attention. Some of you are going through some drama right now. And can I be a good friend and let you know that drama is not from the enemy? That drama is because you are running from the call of God on your life. And we actually serve a God that will chase you. That ain't a place to say amen, but at least it explains a little bit of what's going on. But as you watch the life of different men and women of God in scripture, you, you see their ups and you see their downs. I think about a Moses that before he was even born, he was decreed to be a deliverer of God. You see him hidden in the river. You see him taken into the enemy's palace and being educated by the enemy for what God was getting ready to do in his life. Hear me, when God gets ready to use you, he will use your enemies to prepare you. Some of us need to be stopped being so concerned about our haters and our enemies and more concerned about having the favor of God on our life because once the favor of God is on your life, it doesn't matter who's against you because God is for you and those who are against you, God will just use them to set you up for all that he has for you. We see Moses raised in a palace. We see Moses with this call of God on his life that he's a deliverer, that he's the one that is called to lead people out of bondage. And then we see Moses take matters into his own hands. We, we see Moses commit capital murder. We, we see Moses hide the body. We see Moses running for his life. Here is a great man of God with blood on his hands. And we see Moses in this season where he's called, where he's anointed, but where he's tainted. We find Moses in a wilderness that looks nothing like what God spoke over him. But it's yet right where he needs to be for the God encounter that he needs to release him in all that God has for him. Don't be worried if nothing around you looks what, like what God placed in you. God's best work happens in the wilderness. We see the story of Saul turned into Paul. We see the story of Peter where God turned a man that literally looked at somebody and said, I've never met Jesus a day in my life. And a few chapters later, God said, you're the one that I'm going to build my church upon. One of the things I love about scripture is that it keeps it real. So when I'm full of faith and on the mountaintop, I can be sober enough to know that you don't get to live up here. You visit up here. And I'm in the valleys of life when I'm having the worst day ever. I also know this is only a visit. This is not permanent. This is not a life sentence. This is a season of preparation before he releases me into the next mountaintop season. And for Samuel 17, we find David and he's at his mountaintop. If David were a musical artist, this would be the song that they played for the next 50 years. David's going to feed his grandkids off of this one moment. When you think about David, you think about Goliath. Goliath was like one of the first victories that he experienced, but it's kind of all we talk about. Because when you're a 45-year-old man with 100,000 soldiers defeating your enemy, it's like, cool, whatever. But when you're 16 with some rocks, 
and some leather. And you're standing up against a nine-foot giant that grown men don't want to deal with. Come on, that's something to talk about. I know I'm all over the place, but just hear me. Some of us are crying about not having the right resources that we need to accomplish the dreams of our life. Hear me. If you had the resources that you need, it would not be a God story and everybody would overlook it because it would make sense if you had everything that you accomplished that. It's the fact that you don't have anything that you need and nothing about your story makes sense, but yet God still took down that giant in your midst. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not just about you. It's not just about you. It's not just about you. God is going to get his glory out of your story. Dr. Seussing it up in here. No, seriously, stop crying about what you don't have. All that you don't have is just an opportunity for God to show who he so 1 Samuel 17, we find David, the young boy, running to a battle that nobody wanted to fight. David is looking around confused. Do you not know the same God I know? Just because we all sing to the same God doesn't mean we know. And some of you are avoiding battles God's called you to fight because you're hanging around with people that have lost their fight. Can I just have fun? And because they're in your small group, because they go to your campus, because they wear the outreach t-shirt, you think, hey, we're all, no, 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 no. Do you know the God that I know? Because the God that I know defeated the lion in front of me. He defeated the bear in front of me. And this giant is going to catch the same thing as all those other enemies. David said, forget y'all. I know who my God is. Let's do this. And he runs to a battle that nobody else wants to fight. And in the, that's the moment that made him. Can I... There will be a moment in your Christian walk that is the line in the sand and the demarker of you can never go back. There's, there, there's a moment when you see God do something that you didn't pray for, you couldn't understand, you couldn't come, that it, it removes you from the ability to ever deny God again. Anybody in here, I've just seen too much. If you were going to try to tell me something that God couldn't do, you should have got to me five years ago. But I, I've just seen him move in ways that I've just seen him do things. I, I've just, I've seen too much. This was David's defining moment as he runs and defeats Goliath. He cuts his head off. And y'all, it was a party from there. Next thing you know, people are lifting David up and screaming. And, and, and David becomes the most popular person in the kingdom. They, they, they made a little, little TikTok song off of him. Everybody, everybody was tagging his song and all their posts. It, it went something like this. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed tens of thousands. And David said, yeah, that's me. We see Saul get jealous of David and try to kill him. We see David running out into the wilderness. Once again, don't be afraid of the wilderness. Don't be discouraged when you're in no man's land because it was in the wilderness that God sent David those 300 soldiers that were the greatest soldiers and the key to the victories that he faced for the rest of his life. We see David anointed king. We see David expanding the kingdom that God had given him. Then we come to 2 Samuel 11. Years have passed. He wasn't new to it anymore. He wasn't in awe of the palace and the servants and the gold and the chariots and the horses this was his normal life now you ever caught yourself taking for granted something that you cried about 
Come on now, tell the truth. I ain't trying to shame you. You, you find yourself showing up late for a job that, that six years ago you were fasting and praying for. Come on now. You ever find yourself not changing the oil in something that you cried when you drove it off the lot and said, ain't God good? It's amazing how yesterday's miracle becomes today's entitlement. But David found himself in a place where he, I don't got to fight anymore. I've got soldiers to do that. I've got, I've got, have your people call my people. They'll take care of it. The Bible says in the time and the season when kings were supposed to go to war, David stayed home. I was looking at this, and this is what happened, y'all. God jacked me up with it, so now I get to jack you up with it. In one season, David is running to a battle that nobody wanted to fight. And in another season, David was avoiding a battle that everybody was required to fight. And my question to you, Union Church, is what changed? Not what changed in David, what changed in you? Because you used to be a person that refused to settle for less than what God had for you. You used to be a person that said, I'm so glad for what God has done, and I'm not taking that for granted, but there's more that he has for me. There's more territory. There's more favor. There's more opportunity. There's no visions. There's more dreams. There's more miracles. And... What happened? Now you're talking about retiring at 40. What happened? Now you're talking about, I just want the soft life. What happened? Now you're saying dumb stuff like, well, if I could just make, if I could just live, if I could just find, um, why are you good all of a sudden? Because you used to be a warrior. Why are you comfortable? Because you used to run into battles that everybody calls you crazy for going after. Now, now you're chilling. Can I be real, Union Church? He ain't die on nobody's cross for you to chill. He ain't, come on, look at your neighbor. Say he ain't come here for that. He <laughs> life, life has a way of sobering you. Am I right? Life, life has a way of, you, you, you know, you, you, you run into folks and, and listen, if, if, you're, if you're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, we excited for you. We are. We are. We are. I mean, go for it, okay? You get around some 19-year-olds, they get to talking about what they're going to do with their life. You start chuckling. I'll make my first million by 25. All right. Go ahead. I believe that for you. I like that for you. <laughs> Come on now. I don't know what's wrong with these people talking about dating is ghetto. I'm not going to have that problem. All right. God bless you. Check back in three years. Do, do you remember when you left your parents' house? You didn't have the guts to tell them. But inside, you were telling yourself, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't going to do that. 
I'm glad it worked for mom and dad, but my, my marriage won't look like that. I, I ain't going to raise my kids like that. Too soon? Anybody ever left their house? You 19, 20, 21, 22, 40, whenever you left? I don't know. It's 2023. It's different. No, you, you, you remember being a kid and you're like, dad, mom, I want that shoe and that shoe. And they said, pick. And at 13 insight, one day, I ain't going to have to pick. I'm going to get both. It's amazing how optimistic we are when we're young. It's amazing how fearless we are when we're young. It's amazing how we'll run after giants that nobody wants to mess with when you're young. But, but add 15 years to that marriage. Work that same job for 22 years. And all of a sudden, you find yourself not running to giants. We're running away from them. I'll sit this one out. Next thing you know, you get around people that are dreaming and, and you're cynical. Oh, you're 45 and going back and getting another degree. Oh, that's nice for you. Go ahead. What changed? Where'd you lose your fight? What shelf did you put that warrior on? Because by the end of tonight, you got to go back to that shelf. And you got to pick that stone back up. And you got to pick that sling back up. And, and you've got to pick that faith back up. And, and you got to get off the roof of this palace. Three quick thoughts. Three quick thoughts. The first one is this. We got to figure out where we lost our fight. We, we, we got to... My, my thought is, why was David on that roof? <laughs> so here's what we know. We know that he was not on the roof to see Bathsheba. Because the Bible tells us he was surprised. He was up there minding his business. And all of a sudden, whoa. Just for a little theological context, in that time in history, women did not bathe on roofs. That woman had no business being up there. He wasn't up there to see her. Probably was glad that he did, but that's not what he was up there for. We know he wasn't in the palace because he was scared of a battle. This is probably arguably the greatest warrior ever recorded in scripture. The, the Bible says, actually, there's no record of David ever being wounded in a battle. Never cut, never grazed, never nicked. Probably didn't even sweat. <laughs> so he wasn't up there to sin. Sin happened as a result of him having no purpose. He wasn't up there because he was afraid, because he was basically fearless. So my question is, why did he sit this battle out? And two thoughts came to my mind. I think the first reason he sat the battle out is because he was exhausted. I don't think he was looking for sin. I don't think he was looking for trouble. I don't think he was afraid. I think he was just tired. Have you ever been tired? And I, there's a tired that a nap will take care of. 
But there's a tired that sleep can't fix. Because we're no longer talking about a physical tired. We're talking about a soul tired. I'm tired of arguing. I'm tired of crying. I'm tired of problem solving. I'm tired of trying to make this dollar stretch. I'm tired of trying to talk you off of a ledge. I'm tired. I'm tired. You ever been tired? You know you're tired when you don't got no more fight in you. This ain't none of y'all relationships. You ain't never been in a situation like this before in your life. Me either. But you ever been around them people that they want to argue? Like you apologize and they won't accept it? I'm sorry. Yeah, you should be sorry because just, I'm sorry. It's my bad. I forgot. You, you shouldn't be forgetting. They, I mean, they're just not going to let it go. Have you ever been so f- tired? You don't even got any fight in you. It's like, whatever. Okay. When you're done, let me know. There's something about exhaustion that'll knock the fight out of you. I've been fighting for these kids. I've been fighting for my sanity. I've been fighting for this career. I've been fighting for, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to figure out who I can trust. I'm tired of thinking you're my friend and only finding out later that we're only friends as long as I'm not ahead of you. But the second God does something in my life, Before he does it in your life, I find out we were never friends. We were only in competition. It would have been great if you let me know this three years ago. Can I get that birthday gift back? I think David wasn't evil. I think he was exhausted. And exhaustion will put you in places where you're not thinking straight. And you're not necessarily exhausted because you sinned. You're not necessarily exhausted because you're wrong. But hear me, when you're exhausted, you're vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1, it says this. Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, now let me choose 12,000 men and I will arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him, watch this, while he is weary and weak. And make him afraid. And all the people who are with him will flee. And I will strike only the king. Hear me. The enemy will not attack you when you're full of strength. He won't attack you on day 21 of 21 days of prayer. He won't attack you as you're walking out of catalyst. Singing king of glory. He's like, now wait till Tuesday. Till you ain't singing nothing. Then I'll throw, be very weary, leery of when you are tired. Come on, you, you, you ever been sleepy, exhausted? You just cranky? Hey, Mary, folks, you ever woke up in the morning and said, Babe, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that last night. I was tired. It was a long day. Something about exhaustion will have you avoiding fights that God called you to fight. I I think one of the reasons why David avoided the fight was because he was exhausted. I think another reason why David avoided the fight is because the palace was comfortable. You see, when David was running towards Goliath, he was running away from a field with some stupid sheep. Sheep? Giant. Sheep? Giant. Whatever. Let's see what happens. When David had the 300 soldiers around him and he was running from Saul and he was winning battles, he was hiding in a cave. Listen, when you live in a cave, coming out to fight a battle once in a while ain't no big deal. It's crappy in there. It's crappy out there. It's whatever. But fast forward a little bit. It was no longer the cave of Adullam that that, that David was leaving. It was his 400 Count Egyptian cotton. Did they have California kings? 
back in the Bible before there was California? <laughs> Probably not. Whatever. He had his Moabitess king bed. <laughs> He'd wake up to people feeding him grapes, saying, how would you like your omelet? Egg white only? And I think the palace got so comfortable that David said, you know what? I'll sit this one out. Hear me. We are striving for a life of comfort that is actually a curse. I'm preaching to myself. You ever said, God, can I just get three days with no drama? Am I the only one? God, if I could just get a season with no money problems, people problem, work problem, health problem, can I? You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, and there was peace all around. I've only read it. I've never seen it. I've... <laughs> and what we do is we fight and we strive and we run to get to a life of comfort, not realizing that comfort has never been a blessing to us a day in our lives. Hear me, your greatest prayers were never prayed in the season of comfort. Your greatest petitions of heaven were never made when your life was perfect. Your desire for God did not come when everything else in your life was taken care of and you were just bored. It's the pain that drove you. It's the problem that caused you to pray. It's the enemy chasing you down that had you running to Jesus. Now, now I got me a 401k. Got me an emergency fund. Cars paid off. Life is good. It's comfortable. It's so comfortable we've lost our fight. I was reading the Bible and I saw something. You know, every time David nearly lost his life, it happened in the palace, not on the battlefield. Think about it. David's playing a heart for Saul. Saul gets jealous, picks up a spear in the palace and throws it at his head. That didn't happen on a battlefield. Saul never got close to David on the battlefield. It was in the place of comfort where David was vulnerable to the enemy. None of David's soldiers ever tried to overthrow his kingdom. It was his own son in his own house in the palace that tried to kill him. Hear me. We want comfort. We want peace. We want the soft life. We want no problems. Not understanding. It's the place of comfort that you are most susceptible. You were made to fight. You were made to take territory. You were made to destroy generational curses that your parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. You were made to advance. So, so here's my simple question. Sean, where's Sean at? Tell Sean come play. We're going to stop. What battle are you currently fighting? What battle are you currently fighting? What is it that you're extending your faith for right now? That you're on your knees crying out to God. That you're saying, God, if you don't move, this won't happen. Because if you don't have an answer, you're on a rooftop right now. And if you're on a rooftop right now, the enemy's going to put a Bathsheba. Every believer needs a battle. And there, there's, there, there's battles against myself. And then there's battles of what God has for me. Tracking? 
If I'm battling lust, anger, depression, anxiety in my life, I'm just fighting to get back to zero. And some of us have been so consumed with the battle just to get back to peace that we haven't even thought about the battle that takes territory. But there is territory that God has for... Shout your name out. What's your name? Just say your name. What's your name? There's territory that God has for you that, hear me, you won't get it without a fight. Some people, you're like, I didn't sign up for a fight. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Yeah, after you fight for them. Open floodgates of heaven and let it It'll rain after you go up on a mountaintop and put your head between your legs and cry out to God. There's a fight before every miracle. The Bible says this in Matthew. Chapter 11, verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by Where is your violence directed towards? What is it in your life that you've made up in your mind? The enemy no longer has permission to occupy this territory in my life. I am going to cry out to heaven until I see this change. I'm going to apply the wisdom of God to my life until I see this change. I'm going to dance while I wake and I'm going to decree and declare until what are you trying to shift in your life? Because I actually think, ooh, can I say something like real bold? I don't think this faith thing works without a fight. Because if I don't have a giant, then I'm not going to have a cry out to God. If I don't have a, here, here's what I'm fighting for. I'm fighting for my grandchildren never having to worry about money a day in their life. I'm fighting that it will be near impossible for somebody with my last name not to be a lover of Jesus because I have instilled a passion for God in every... What are you fighting for? Because if you've lost your fight, you're going to find yourself vulnerable, doing dumb stuff, just dumb stuff, half a second on sin, you're going to get you refreshed, you're going to go home, when I'm heading into a fight that I know won't happen without God, I need him to move, and if he doesn't move, it won't work. I'm very sensitive not to tick him off. I know I could say that in a more proper churchy way, but you you tracking with me? So when I get an argument, I'm going to tell, wait till God does this miracle, I'll tell you. (laughs) I'm, I'm very sensitive. I need him with me. So I'm not going to do anything to upset him because this TV show that I'm watching that he's not pleased with, it's not worth me losing this person that he's told me that I don't need to associate with, but I'm keeping them around because we've been friends since third grade. When I lose my fight, I lose my sensitivity to his presence. When I lose my sensitivity to my presence, my my holiness gets relaxed. I feel no issue about disrespecting people because I'm oblivious to the fact when I, I need him for this win, not that I'm afraid of him, but I'm just like, I don't want to do nothing that makes him leave 
Because I need him here. Last thing, for those of y'all who like points, <laughs> point number two is what battles are you avoiding? We ain't going to preach that. Point number three, where do you get your edge back? How do I get my fight back? Or how do I get my fight at all? This blow your mind. I am not really impressed that David ran and killed Goliath. I mean, yeah, heroic. But he was sitting out in a field for three years with a harp, just worshiping. Of course he knew who his God was. You can sit in a field for three years and write music and sing songs, but you don't have any children. Any parents in the room? You can sit in the field and sing songs and kumbaya and hear from God when you got no job to go to. You don't got no bills to pay. You don't got no mouths to feed. You don't got no problems to solve. When life is easy, faith is not that hard. It's as life gets more complicated, time begins to be taken. You start taking blows. You, you start taking losses. But now, just sitting in his presence and running into the next battle, that's not reality and here's the fact everybody loses their fight at some point everybody goes through a season where it's just like I don't have it in me any longer so my new question is not how do I keep my fight because losing it is inevitable my new question is God how do I get it back How do I dream again? Some of you have not dreamed a new dream in years. God, how do I get something in me that is willing to run through disappointment? Psalm 23 verse 1. says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Whenever I feel like I'm lacking something, it's because I forgot who my shepherd was. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Here's the verse. He restores my fight. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Church, there's a restoration of your mind, your will, your emotion, your fight, your Figure. There is something that happens in the presence of God where he puts a fight back in you. Where he says, I know you're tired, I know you're exhausted, but, but if you would just wait, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a rest, I'm going to give you a rejuvenation, I'm, I'm going to give you a hope, I'm going to give you a passion, I'm going to give you a vision that's going to get you back up and get you back in the fight. We're not just singing songs. We're not just dancing. There's something supernatural that is happening on the inside. God is saying, I'm putting that warrior back in you. And I'm getting you back to the place where you're no longer willing to sit out fights that are guaranteed victories as soon as you choose to engage. Do me a favor, hop up on your feet as we close.
I want to pray for two things really quickly. I'm not going to have an altar call, but right where you're sitting. Can you just close your eyes? The two things I want to pray for first and foremost is for that person that said, Pastor, I'm I'm exhausted. Taking some losses, I'm taking some disappointments, I've fought some battles, and, and I'm I'm putting one foot in front of the other. Trying not to let my kids see and trying not to let my spouse see. But I'd be honest with you, I'm exhausted. Bad news is you're exhausted. The good news is you've come to the right place. Because the Bible says, they that wait on the Lord, their strength shall be renewed. So wherever you are, just with your eyes closed, if that's you, I'm exhausted. Just lift your hands. And just let God visit you in this moment. Father God, you said they that wait on the Lord, God, that that their strength would be renewed. God, I, I thank you right now that you're pouring out your spirit. God, I thank you right now that you're you're renewing that fight, God. You're renewing that strength, God. Come on, it's not going to take long, but can you block out everything around you? And in this moment, just real, God's visiting you right where you are. Father God, you said that you pour out your spirit without measure. God, I thank you right now that, that you're pouring out a spirit of refreshing. of refreshing waves of refreshing are flowing are flowing are flowing waves of refreshing are flowing the rivers of living water of living water pray for look at me real quick I want to pray for those of you and if I be honest because I'm your pastor it's going to be most of you that would be honest enough to say I don't know what my God fight is right now I don't know what that thing is that I'm supposed to be extending my faith for and interceding for and, and applying wisdom. Some of you, you know, because it's easy. It's a loved one that's sick or it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a problem. 
For a lot of us that don't have an overwhelming problem, we also don't have a fight. And if I had time to, to preach, some of us have picked our fights and they're not God fights. And you're wasting your time and you're wasting your energy fighting on something that ain't worth winning. But hear me, there's a mission with your name on it. There's territory that God has called you to take if you say hey I, I don't know what my fight hear me God will download it in your he does not play games you can hear his voice it may be in this moment it may be as you drive home it may be as you go to sleep tonight it may be when you wake up in the morning he may wake you up at 3 in the morning but, but he's going to down this is the next thing in your life that I'm anointing you to take so if you're in here, you're watching online, you're at Columbia, say, hey, I need to know what my God mission is. I need, I need to know what that thing is that I'm supposed to be going after and praying after and, and fasting for and interceding for. If that's you, just throw both of your hands up in the air. Father God, in this moment, God, we are commissioning. God, people that are making decisions, I'm not a civilian anymore. I reject the soft life. I reject the comfortable life. I reject this is good enough. God, I pray in this moment, God, that that you would download God territory that you have called God each person in this room to take father God I pray even now that you would wake people up in the middle of the night and download business ideas that you've called them to build God I'm believing right now that you're gonna bring to people's hearts God siblings and cousins and parents that you've called for them to pray over and to intercede for until they're walking in the fullness of God God I thank you for that person that you're anointing to break every generational curse in their family. That's the person that everything the enemy has tried on that family bloodline comes to an end. God, in this moment, you're awakening. God, in this moment, you're commissioning. God, in this moment, God, you're anointing for the battle ahead. God, you're putting purpose on the life of every single person. You're putting destiny on the life of every single person. You're putting mandate on the life of every single person. God, not one day will you wake up again without vision for your life. Not one day will you ever wake up again with not vision for what God has for you next. God, like Saul experienced when those scales fell from his eyes. God, in this moment, I pray that you would open the eyes of every believer, that they would see this is why you put them on this planet, in this time in history, in this region, because they are your solution to this problem. God, we're grateful. Because there's destiny on the life of every single person here. God, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Hey, can you take about 30 seconds? Can you shout hallelujah? Come on, can you praise the King of kings and the Lord of kings?